This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. And hey, happy Thanksgiving. Today, Thanksgiving oh, wow. yeah, yeah. 2022. Cooper, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Let me ask you, are you a family or do you have a family in your life that wants to do the turkey trot when you're a little bit hungover from Wednesday? Are you guys like running the 5K Thanksgiving morning? Um, I, I have not personally run the turkey trot, but I know somebody that will. <laughs> the, the, the Whitney is going to run it on, I think. Thanksgiving morning. Tomorrow, this morning. Yes, she's going to run it this morning. Um, and so, yeah. So, yes, she will. I do not participate in that. Uh, I do my own turkey trot up and down the steps um, to get in and out of my house to go eat some turkey somewhere else. So that's about the trot that I do. I'm, I'm with you. I just I won't derail it too much. But when this has been about three years ago and I was out in Charleston. You were hungover? <laughs> or you, out, you... <laughs> out in Charleston. We were at Copper Pint before it turned a little bit weird. Copper Pint used to be kind of like a spot. You come home from Morgantown. You meet all your college friends. Yeah, I was there was. With, with Mason Jack until like three in the morning, I think, or two thirty in the morning. Well, this turkey trot, this wiener dog race that we ran in honor of our old wiener dog that we had rest in peace, Larry. Uh, we ran it. My family didn't tell me like we were 7 a.m. Right. 7 a.m. I'm out till three. Somehow <laughs> I run a 5k and complete this thing <laughs> in the morning. It's yeah, like pure congrats. adrenaline or still a little bit intoxicated. So ever since then, I'm just like, confirming with everybody that i'm going to be around like we're not like no one's going to like make us like do anything tomorrow morning are we? <laughs> yeah 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 make sure that you're not there at 7 a.m just in case anybody <laughs> needs right. you to run right. yeah you close the bar which is funny because it's on the boulevard and then the turkey trot is also on the boulevard right so it was were... in south charleston so we don't okay right back there yeah. regardless yeah that's funny no no my my turkey day plans are uh pretty simple get up Go visit some family, do what we need to do, relax, watch some football. We play the, the game in my family is um settler settlers of Catan. Have you ever played Catan or Catan? Some people call it Catan. Yeah. It's fun. That's a good one. It's like about gathering resources, building roads and, and structures. Jeez. And it's it's not it's nothing like super complex, but it's a very competitive game that my family is very competitive at playing. So that is yeah. our Thanksgiving and Christmas tradition or really any time that we get together. So, yeah. But so anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And this episode, uh, Duke Jordan and uh, very talented and just a, a respected member of uh, not just the Char Charleston community, but really should be a respected member in West Virginia just uh, because of what he has done. He served time in the Marines, uh, came back and rose through the ranks to be a lieutenant for the Charleston Police Department. And he has some fitness that, unfortunately, we didn't get too much into his fitness background in this interview, but he's now in uh, a real estate agent, agent with Berkshire Hathaway. So, um, you know, he's just a, a really, really good guy down to earth. Uh, Cooper, initial thoughts. I'll tell a quick little story about the upcoming episode, and then we'll, we'll kind of get to it. Yeah, I, th I thought it was, uh, you know, I think the conversation went how – uh, I thought it was going to go. What's that like famous coach? Like they are who we thought they were. Yeah, um, there you go. 
but Duke was someone who I've seen on social media. You know, I'm, well, obviously we're clued LinkedIn the, in particular. LinkedIn, uh, yeah, pretty much like LinkedIn. I think exclusively, I guess. Um, you know, we're pretty clued into West Virginia social media. You kind of get to know all the the personalities of West Virginia social media. And I've I've seen Duke share his honest opinion and this appeal to rise above what you know you could call it pettiness or like you know like he has this urging to like come together. Let's build West Virginia and promoting he promotes the state relentlessly but also just speaks about the different attributes of west virginia culture and society and things that are you know nice to live here so i knew that you know get him on the podcast i knew our conversation was not just going to be fluffy it was going to be like let's talk about real things and we did cj exactly that yeah we covered community development social issues you know drug abuse policing military uh freedom of speech i mean gosh we we got to a lot of things and i had i thought it was an awesome conversation with Duke. Yeah, no. And, you know, we're not just talking about like, uh, what's it mean? What, or what was it like being a police officer? I mean, like softball kind of questions. I mean, we did kind of get into some really deep stuff. I thought about how difficult it is to be a police officer in this day and age. And, you know, some of the troubles and the problems that come along with being a police officer in the 21st century. And, and one story in particular that really stood out that listen to this episode, get the full, full detailed story here. But uh, he was like a young, he was a young man in his twenties or early thirties. I'm not sure if he gave his age, but he was in South Hills. He's racially profiled by two cops that kind of corner him and say, what are you doing up here? You know? And, and then uh, like 10 years, 15 years later, he ends up being their boss when he goes and works for the Charleston Police Department. So he rose the ranks and ended up being in charge of them. And so, you know, really a full circle moment for him at the time, I'm sure. And it was really a conversation about how, uh, you know, he thought that he helped change the identity of the Charleston Police Department during his time and and how CPD plays a part in Charleston's identity at large as a city. And so even how that affects what West Virginia's identity is, you know, you, you think about places like Seattle and, you know, Chicago and, and New York, where there's major gun violence in some places and other places are talking about defund the police. You don't have that here. And part of that is because of the great work that places like Charleston Police Department does. And that's kind of the conversation that we have. Uh, so really good, um, good, deep stuff, you know, and uh, you just he's a, a guy that grew up in eastern, eastern West Virginia, eastern Kanawha County, excuse me, and uh, and uh, just kind of just is finding his way through life his journey i think he called yeah, it so called it, yeah. yeah i enjoyed this one i think you guys will too so uh cooper i know we were talking about thanksgiving do you have your christmas tree up yet are you already like on christmas ornaments and stuff because we, we did that and we did that the other day and we oh, wow. so it, yeah we're, we're ahead of the game it's the first time ever <laughs> Yeah. We've had it up this early. No, I have not done yet uh, the Christmas decorating yet, but I will say it's a good point, CJ, is that if people are doing Christmas shopping, there you we, go. Can hook, we can hook you up. All right. So if you go to mountaineermedia.org, we have this new partnership with Loving Dove V, and you can buy awesome West Virginia merchandise uh, with our discount code MM10. We're going to give that to you because you're a valued listener of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Uh, jump over and subscribe if you want to to the email uh, newsletter. We're going to really try to beef that up and be uh, really uh, get feedback from you guys. And it's going to be the place where we think we're going to interact uh, quite a bit with our followers and our uh, friends and family and everybody who's on there. But Loving Dub V is the best West Virginia merchandise in the game. Go to our website. You get to the link directly from there. But Christmas shop, you know, buy your whole family gifts on there. Discount code MM10 gets you 10% off. Uh, and you got to order now because, I mean, it's look, Christmas is like, what, like 
20 or 30 days away, CJ. So we're, we're rolling right into the end of the year. Um, but yeah, awesome partner, new, new partnership with loving West Virginia. Yep. And don't forget that, uh, we have a giveaway. So we've got the, the discount for loving W. We have a Kane Brown ticket giveaway. He's coming to Huntington in early 2023. We've got two tickets. It could be you and your best friend, family member, whatever. And uh, so go sign up for that right now over on mountaineermedia.org. Almost Heaven Classic, as always, that registration's open. We still have room available uh, for Saturday's golf outing. We still have a little bit. We got plenty of room for Friday night's networking event at Canaan Valley Resort. And so make sure to go sign up for that stuff because that the, the clock is ticking. Life moves faster than we're we'd closing like to in believe. on fifty percent off on or fifty percent off. We're closing in on fifty percent <laughs> for the golf tournament. So yeah, we think, and just based on our conversations, we think there's another ten teams in the bag. So if you're thinking, if you're on the fence about joining, want to play, get we in promise now. this is going to be one of the funnest, most yeah, engaging. It really will be tournaments in west virginia and again as always i like to clarify you can come to friday you don't have to golf spend the weekend up in tucker county come to friday night if you're passionate about west virginia you're trying to grow your business you're trying to you know promote your organization or you just want to come out and hear brad smith we're going to probably announce some other future panelists here soon and and hang out with all these passionate west virginians and see where uh and see where life takes you with you know newfound relationships collaborations partnerships you name it um so yeah cj mountaineermedia.org people can buy their tickets and we hope to see you up there june 9th and 10th in canaan valley at the resort super excited about that cool boom let's do it thanks for listening we'll see you on the other end okay everybody welcome back to the mountaineer media podcast cj what's up my man morning cooper duke how are you good morning hey good morning to both of you yeah thank you thanks for yeah thanks for jumping on duke and we were just talking before we got rolling here you're on a journey we're all on a journey in this life um and i think looking at coming to know you, I guess, via social media and kind of just reading a bit about your bio, you've had quite the journey with various, you've worn many hats, as they say, you've been in the military, you've been a police officer, you now you're in real estate. Maybe just take us back before we kind of dive into the various parts of those journeys. Where, where are you from originally? So I'm from uh, Rand, West Virginia. Uh, Randy Moss made it famous with Rand University. I oh guess. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm an old DuPont boy from up in those parts. So, uh, interesting place. It was a community then. You know, a lot of places were more community then instead of now, but um, that's where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, those Eastern Kanawha County roots, man. A lot of pride over there. DuPont, East Bank. Uh, obviously, the coal history in that side of the county is uh, very, very deep. And um, that's cool. I mean, do you have like memories of obviously growing up specifically on that side of the county? I mean, um, uh, you know, that, that was a day where, you know, your parents, the, the whole community raised you, you know, I mean, yeah. something wrong a block down the road, Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith could uh, actually lay hands on you then or, or <laughs> get stern talking to and then call the house and then it's just a double whammy but it, it kind of molded molded a lot of kids up to what you know what they are now so. sounds like mrs jones got her hands on you a couple times is that what you're <laughs> is that what you're saying yeah you dag on straight <laughs> <laughs> like one yeah, one specific neighbor um well growing up did you what were your th- you know i mean you grew up in west virginia did you were you thinking like i'm gonna stay here like i enjoy this community or were you the kind of kid growing up you know as you kind of reached your teenage years were you like you know what i want to get out and try something new and what kind of shaped those early thoughts when you started were becoming an adult so early on you know my parents my dad was born in 1916 
so we came up a whole different way. I mean, he worked at Kroger Warehouse in Kanawha City, you know, left at four in the morning and returned about three in the afternoon. Um, my mother, she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and then my sister, I had two sisters, and I had a younger brother, two older sisters and a younger brother. And we all sang gospel. We all grew up in the church. So the whole family was, uh, um, just like I said, we were all singers. I started playing drums at four years old. My mother sang and played the piano. Both of my sisters played piano. I also played trombone uh, in the band and just in our gospel group as well. And my younger brother, he played trumpet and he ran track football just as I. So, you know, instead of going to the dances and things, we were usually at church on Wednesday night or Thursday night or performing on Saturday um, or Sunday or opening for the, you know, gay, later on opening the Gaithers and <clears throat> some of the larger uh, Southern gospel uh, groups here. Uh, in America, literally on the East Coast, we traveled the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, playing and singing as the gospel family affair and the Jordan family. Um, so I guess my young days, you know, strict parents, church, 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 church. And I saw that, you know, commercial on TV with a guy holding a sword and a great looking white hat and suit and <laughs> you're like that's it i was like what <laughs> I, was like, I was like get out of here dude man you know, i had no clue what i was about to get into and yeah the marines that's a different world man that's no, it, it, was, it was crazy um you know i left right after graduation um here at the municipal auditorium in charleston i left from there and i got on a bus wow Beckley that evening Oh, and wow. just, you know, they're they they they're professionals at just just screwing everything up for your life, you know, your own personal life. You know, like I, I got to be there at two o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. But it all starts then, you know, day one. And um, <clears throat> I remember getting off of uh, the bus in Paris Island and uh, I slapped a mosquito and killed a mosquito when we were on the yellow footprints. Lord knows, my God. And I mean, I think I still have PTSD from that, you know. Um, I had to find the mosquito and bury the mosquito and have a funeral and pray over the mosquito. <laughs> and I, that's, you know, I knew then, or I, I questioned my, myself, like, what, you know, what have I gotten into? <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. So now, that, wait a second. Was that, was that because of like a superstition or is that like a literal, like it was afraid that it would like oh, spread malaria? Oh, like... oh, he just did it just to do it. <laughs> okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Just because I slapped the mosquito. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, you just don't move and you learn real quick. Yeah. You do what and when, when they say do. So, yeah. You uh, jump when they say you know, jump. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that was an adventure, man. I mean, I was there from, probably june july august i was there during the hottest months and it was it was literally hell you know however the drill instructors uh, i mean they were stern they were strict and everything but i was kind of prepared for that from being raised in such a strict family you know <laughs> you get these young kids they come in and they've never been yelled at or screamed at or disciplined they, they really have a hard time with just you know losing yourself and, and and, and saying okay yeah I'll, I'll do whatever you say and uh, but 
I adjusted to, to that real quick and I was already in shape, you know, track and cross country and, and things like that. So that was a journey. And I won't keep you on the Marine Corps forever, but, you know, I ran uh, uh, cross country for the Marines and hmm. I played rugby. I played rugby for the Marine Corps team in California, oh, wow. traveled up and played Australian teams and uh, Hawaii. Those guys are beast, man. Samoan. I was going to say, I was going to say, that's, <laughs> those two groups there are maybe like the toughest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got I've got injuries today that are hurting because <laughs> of that game. You know, one game there in California, and uh, I broke this guy's ribs. You know, we won't go too deep, but anyway, I broke his ribs. But he, in turn, he I had an AC set from it. And you know, after the games, though, it's nothing but respect. You know, we, you know, arms dangling and ribs broken and bones broken. You know, we're singing our rugby songs and drinking kegs of beer and, and just having a good old revival time, you know, with one another, just nothing but respect. So it didn't hurt until much later. <laughs> you were still on, on <laughs> adrenaline until. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was pretty cool. But, you know, I had a chance to go to Turkey. Um, I was in Turkey for a while, Istanbul, uh, Saros Bay, Kentucky, well, not Kentucky, Istanbul and Turkey. And, um, you know, that was that was interesting because we had uh, I walked into the Blue Mosque and once again, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I don't want to say a dumb old West Virginia boy, but I walked in with my had my boots on. And, you know, of course, you don't walk into any mosque, you know, with shoes. Right. And, um, you know, they were doing their uh, chanting. But anyway, they turned around and looked at me. I, ran, I realized what I had done and I kind of a scary moment in my life there as well. <laughs> Uh, eye opening yeah yeah, yeah. Off offended a whole mosque yeah sorry time to go so wow so, so you're, you're in the yeah. marines and then is that the transition back to the police force or is there anything in between the marines and the police force so i was offered what we call the b i think it was the bsop program warrant officer program and here's one of those moments in my life where i look back and like man what if but i was offered uh warrant officer program stay in and to fly helicopters hmm. which i now look back and like uh what am i what was i thinking but i was thinking i wanted to get back here to west virginia i had seen so many things in san diego and california where i stationed i lived in la jolla bay or la jolla um i surfed it, it just my eyes were open to what the rest of the world was doing and i wanted to bring that back to west virginia I also missed West Virginia. I missed, you know, just the people here of West Virginia. And um, I got back here. My mother at that time, she had started dabbling in real estate and she was, she had been a realtor for quite some time. And she said, why don't you just work real estate? And I got into real estate and <clears throat> I was too young. I, I'm bottom line, I was just too young. I didn't own my own house. I, um, um, I, I, I could, I was very good at communicating over the phones to get a listing, but it, it was just, it, it just wasn't magic. It just didn't feel right at the time. Um, the turning point in the real estate was me going to a home in South Hills and I knocked on the door. I talked to the lady, you know, before I uh, gotten there and I got there, I, I was working for Century 21. I had my gold jacket on. And next thing I know, two police, two police cars pull up. <laughs> they said, hey, son, what are you doing up here? And um, so you didn't know we was going there, did you? So 
Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, what's what's going on here? And they, they said, well, what are, you, what are you doing up here? Well, we, you know, we've had some problems up here. And, you know, can we see some ID? And I was like, Jesus. Okay. And I thought that to be strange. Okay. You know, I'm fine. I was fine with it at, at the time. I was fine with it. I look back on it now. And I'm like, come on, guys, let's get it right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were racially profiled. I mean, that's an offensive. I, like, you were. They yeah. someone called in maybe. Someone and, called. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Okay, that's the past. Now the funny—I won't say the funny thing, but the interesting thing is those same some of those same guys that were there. I end up becoming their boss. Yeah, you worked for them. Oh yeah. wow. I, oh no, they worked for me. Yeah, you worked. They worked for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get right. I, I, I went up. You know because. You know, at, at Charleston, we there was a time where they would throw away minority uh, applications. I mean, it, you know, it, it hasn't always been the Charleston police that it has it, it, it that it is right now. I mean, you know, and that's once again, this is years ago, but still, yet Department of Justice came in and they had to do what they had to do, and and doing that, I actually got hired because they were hiring minority, and then for every person other person that they want to hire women because if you weren't a white male they just simply even even some women they it's you know it's sad but yes yeah. but today we are a i think we have a great and not just a good but a great one of the greatest uh, uh police departments in the world and one of the great you know we live in one of the best cities in, in the nation so i always say that we could be the light to the rest of the nation now um, but, you know, I grew up through, went up through the ranks at Charleston. My thing was to bridge those gaps and to make sure things, you know, communication was key and um, bringing communities together, you know, the West Side uh, and the East End and the South Hills and just bringing people together, CEOs and, and crackheads, you know, get, get, get the crackheads on the right, right path, and, you know, street girls, or hookers, whores, whatever you want to call it. But, I wanted to bring everybody together and, and, and do what's right for the best, what was best for them. So, anyway. how, did you, how do you how do you actually do that? I mean, you you went from being racially profiled to being the, the same people's boss, and then you're talking about connecting the police department to help the city, you know, and and um, the, the identity of the city more or less, and uh, you know, not just the identity of the police department. How, how does how does that actually happen? How do you change that? So it's it's communication. Uh, you know, there there were great officers. You know, I, I look at Ivan Lee, uh, Harvey Bush, uh, just to name a, a few. Uh, George Henderson, Senior, uh, from Words Avenue. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys. Now they they really grew up in, a, in an arena where. You know, things weren't as good as for them as they were for me. So, uh, but, you know, I wasn't the first. So I won't say I was the shining light or a hero, but I yeah. just we saw what I saw. And I was bound to do, you know, that Marine Corps mentality as we, we got to fix this. And, yeah. you know, some, you had to come at different people different ways. You know, it wasn't, you know, just a simple conversation with some. I had to prove myself. Uh, you know, worthy to even be in the uniform to, to others where to, to some, it was just once again, that simple, simple conversation. Um, but, 
at the end of the day, you know, and I, I tried, you know, I had uh, partners like Ted Malone, I use his name, uh, Alan McNeil, and on purpose, I would take them to the west side on the corner of Fourth and Florida, where I knew we would run into every, uh, uh, just a whole slew of just interesting people. And, um, but I bridged that, what I tried to do is bridge that gap. I didn't want the West, the blacks on the West side saying, oh, that white officer or this white, you know, I wanted people to see Ted Malone as Ted Malone and he happens to be a police officer that's mm -hmm. helping their community. I wanted them to be able to reach out and call him on his cell. I still get calls on my cell phone um, for help and or advice, you know, the police advice. So, um, but I think I bridged that gap um, for some of those officers, which also changed, just changed the dynamics over there on the West side. So, you know, when we showed up, we just, I didn't want to just show up in the bad times. You know, I wanted right. to show up where, you know, so-and-so's birthday party, or we're bringing this little kid a bike, or, or we're bringing some Happy Meals or pizza, you know, to some folks that are sitting out there shooting ball. And that was, you know, community policing. You heard community policing at that time. Um, that was huge and just changing some of the communities and just the mentality of uh, people because, you know, we, we definitely had to get it right. Um, and, and, you know, we get paid, I always say, we get paid to keep our cool. Now, granted, we're humans, you know, a policeman is, is a human being, but at the end of the day, we, we can't afford to lose our temp and, and spank somebody because we want to spank them, basically. But sure. um, we're part of the community, and that's how I wanted people to see us as part of the community. Do you think that, and this is kind of changing topics a little bit, but the <clears throat> almost the stigma that local police departments get nationwide now is unwarranted? Are people not sympathizing enough? Are, are police officers not keeping their cool, you know, like they have in the past? Or you know, it, it does feel like that there is a problem or maybe there it's always been the same, but the attention, it's just been getting more attention. You know, what's kind of your opinion on, on the scope of where police ing is at just nationally. Training is key. Training is key. You know, instead of, you know, defunding and, you know, they're talking to defund this, defund that. Yeah. Training is key. And um, any young officers that are at the academies and even when they get out into the FTO program, um, there has to be proper training. And I, I really think we're, we're getting it right. Uh, and we've, I think we've had it right here uh, for quite some time, but still yet we can't lose sight or we, we can't stop doing that, you know, uh, with, with everything that's gone on in the United States with other police departments, uh, uh, we, I, I'll give you an example. Black Lives Matter, uh, they were, they came to Court Street Court in Virginia. And mm -hmm. I literally didn't even know they were going to, you know, be there. But I was just coming down through the, through the, uh, through Virginia Street. And I saw a sign and the sign said, F the police <laughs> on the sign. And I was like, you know, I, and I, once again, I don't have two cents in, did have two cents in it, but that sign caught my attention. I said, oh, heck, no, I got to get out. <laughs> you know, that, that I've got to address this thing or at least get out and, and see what see what the story is. So I got out parked. I started walking around. And as I walked into the crowd, 
you know, I started noticing, you know, these who some of these people were. Our locals, our local residents, they, they, they didn't have the signs. So these were people from that had been bussed in, yeah, holding these signs. Where you know, I'm walking around, I'm giving people high fives and, hey, dude, where you been? You know, or we miss you. And and then I saw the chief. I don't know if it was Tyke at that time or Opie, but I saw the chief and I pulled him, you know, pulled him out. We started walking around together. And these out of out of state folks, they had no clue what to think because we showed them that we had relationships. And granted, we're fine with what, you know, the speech and, and everything that was going on, but this after police or that, we we weren't we're gonna we're gonna have any of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, free speech is free speech. You can do what you want to do, but I, they never came back. Let's just put it that way, because mm -hmm. I think they saw that they couldn't. In, there, are, there are years that have gone into, I think, our communities as a whole here in Charleston, and I don't want to say just me, but people like myself and other officers, white, black, green, yellow, women, men, both have put and, and have there are seeds that are still, you know, that have taken root with, you know, throughout the communities here. Uh, because if, if, if not, then we would be just like a New York or a uh, Chicago or Chicago. And yeah. you know, people are going to get killed. I mean, there are yeah. murders and, and things, and unfortunately, you know, things happen, but um, I think, I believe that Charleston still, we're still at a place where, you know, we don't have, people and from my upbringing your upbringing probably too you don't we don't push people down on amtrak's we don't disrespect our elderly uh I, the day that i think somebody's beating on a female on capitol street uh you know that, that person has a bad day whoever's doing it the suspect has a bad day because men and women of all ages i believe will go out there and assist that person and not sit there with their cell phones taping what's going on or, or taping this person being beaten and, you know, I don't want to go vigilante or anything, but I, I would think the police would probably have to get there quickly to save the suspect. Yeah. Something like that happens here. We, we just don't, you know, I think we still yet have respect within our community here in Charleston. There's definitely, there's definitely something to like, yeah, like a, like a mountain culture and Appalachian culture of like yeah. self-policing of, of like, Hey guys, like we're, we're, what's well, this all, it's not us versus them. This is, this is us together as one community. Do you think, yeah. do you feel, I mean, I'm, I'm sure social media has contributed. Like if people put down the phone and go out in real life and meet your neighbor and shake hands with your local community members, I, I would suspect that you find you have a lot more in common with folks than we think. I think, you know, we don't have to go down the social media rabbit hole, but I, I we live in these worlds of where hate and anger and frustration and all this is like monetized and basically you get put into echo chambers with social media and we kind of, we, we then think that's the truest reflection of the world where you go out into your town and it's, it odds are, I would have to guess that it's in, this is my perspective uh, as a white male, but I, I would say it, it's less hostile as it feels on social media. Like social media always feels like it's right, ready to boil over the biggest arguments on this side, the biggest, the light, the right left this, but then you go out in public and it's like, Oh, Hey, so you, you know, you just interact with people. And of course there are extreme examples in real life when there are, you know, oh, yeah. outlandish people, criminals, hate groups, all that. But I just think that we've just, 
over the last 20 years, we've just, I think, tricked ourselves into thinking the reality is a little bit different than it is. And it's, I think you just have to encourage people to go out and talk to your neighbor, go talk to do, go walk down the street with someone who you think you disagree with or whatever. And I think you'll find that actually, wait a second, we're all kind of sharing the same beliefs. We want security, we want family, we want jobs, we want to have fun, we want to enjoy, you know, our town. Um, so I don't know, just, it's just maybe a, a PSA reminder for folks, but, um, Duke, I do want to get your opinion on something, um, a little bit of a controversial angle on something, not really an angle, but you're a former police officer. West Virginia has struggled with drug addiction, drug use. Certainly fentanyl is like, it's the number one killer of young folks between 18 and like 40. Um, hard drugs are one thing. Um, marijuana is being legalized nationally more and more, even things like shrooms and other psychedelics are becoming more mainstream. Is where do you where do you fall on that in terms of policing versus a police officer's role and and is someone who is struggling with drugs the solution I'm sure has evolved from oh just arrest them and throw them in jail and then that'll solve everything like where has in your personal journey you know as a professional as a police officer and as a community member like where where do you stand on that and where do you think things are trending and where do you maybe hope to take it? Well. <clears throat> When they shut down care, we used to have a place called CARES here in Charleston, and um, we were able to, um, sorry for the additional noise there. but little no dog here, yeah. <laughs> We've had many dogs join the podcast. Cats right. and dogs, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, when they shut down CARES unit here in Charleston, actually, um, I, I saw it change then. But then I believe they... And as I said, this happened after I retired. So, but something happened where it just seemed like people just started pointing fingers. No, this is your job to do, or no, this is your job. Instead of coming together as the totality of it, we needed something to address. Everybody needed to do their job, and everybody really need, needed to be under the same umbrella. You know, we, we see the ER is just totally. Full, full of, you know, just people that really don't need ER. They need a mental, they need a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And rehabilitation unit. <laughs> rehab. Yeah. yeah. But everyone needs to come together and there needs to be a, a, just a plan to address, to address it all. We, we first need to identify who, who, who's out here on the street. You know, um, uh, we used to have aqua one or used to have, I used to know every person that was out here on the street and that was sleeping under or beside a trash can. Now we don't know, you know, a lot of people have come in here from out of state and, um, but we really need to first identify who's on the street. Next, we need to, you know, if you're getting three meals, three meals a day, all right, let's at least get some friends and figure out what, what do you truly need? How do we turn this around for you and your family and for your kids that you may have out here? You know, do you need shelter? Do you need mental, uh, re, you know, mental meds? Are you off your meds? Uh, you know, do you really need a lockdown facility for three months? But we need to figure out who, the who, first of all, and then next, what do they need? Because what we're doing is we're continually I think handing out band-aids and handing out needles to clean needles, which is okay. That's, that's needed as well, but let's, let's change. We, we've got to change the behavior and we've got to solve the problem instead of just simply throwing 
money at it and just, okay, all right, eventually something will happen. Eventually, well, we need, there need to, we need to sometimes make the choice for these folks. Either, you know, if you're going to be in the city or if you're going to be in our state, this is what, and to get these services, uh, uh, we need to know who you are. We're going to go ahead and make sure we're not dealing with some uh, criminal from, you know, out of state or out of country even. And, um, and just start addressing it and trying to just turn it around for these folks, mm -hmm. uh, whether, you know, jobs, housing, medication, uh, counseling, what like we truly have to identify the needs and then address it. And I think this whole, <clears throat> whatever this, this system that I'm speaking of, it needs to be located maybe just right underneath the interstate where everybody comes in near the bus station, but it needs to be in a centralized location where it's just a one-stop shop. You can't, you know, person sitting here, well, I need help. And I just, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to send you over to, they never make it over to that second spot or the third spot. It all needs to be under one yeah. roof. Or the groups don't communicate with each other. And then, you know. Exactly. And but, a 24 hour doctor, God bless, we have to have a doctor 24 hours that, you know, the medics can take this person to him and he can automatically say, all right, here, here's mental hygiene. We need to go ahead put this person here or this person needs that. And um, I think yeah. it's a change from that. Well, I guess my point was that I think a lot of that falls on, like we almost expect police <clears throat> officers to police officers to be able to do that simultaneous yeah. to like, you know, going after the real bad guys and policing and doing actual like right. police work. But it's like, there is that need for more of like a community based, like CJ said, like more of like a rehabilitation community group enterprise. And I don't know if that's run by the city. Is that run by the state? Is that, you know, how do you get federal dollars into that? It's like, that's the biggest challenge like who runs it, who pays for it. I mean, everything boils down to usually is who's going to pay for it. Who's going to fund it. Where's the funding come from? The feds, um, the feds will fund it. There's a ton of money out there right now. If you notice or you look around, there's recovery centers popping up everywhere. I mean, yeah. they, they, they're and they're cash heavy. Uh, now they do great things for the people that actually make it there and get there. So uh, that part of it is, you know, as far as the recovery centers are there, but mm -hmm. get them there to get those people there. We, we've got to identify them and or have a doctor saying, Here, here's mental hygiene. No, you're not going to run the streets for the next week. I'm going to put you in recovery in this uh, center for the next three months. Um, and, you know, if you don't, like it then there has to be some ultimatum as well on that side of things as well so. mm -hmm. what is frustrating though because like you said you just don't know who's in this town anymore i mean 30 years ago you could expect that everybody in charleston was from charleston knew or they had a reason to be in canal county one way or another but now right. it's like people are getting shipped in from i mean detroit dc new york philly columbus i mean we just saw a couple of days ago it's like they, I forget which government department sent it out, but it was like, we're expecting a, a potential overdose in these parts of the state. There's like a, a high risk of major overdose in these parts of the state. And it was just like, oh, I mean, you can't not let these people in, I understand, but just keeping track of who is here is harder than ever. I mean, next to impossible. And so you don't know how to treat everybody. Here is not Seattle. You know, here, I think we still yet have the opportunity to address it you know we should never see a person on the interstate off ramp holding a sign saying food need food or yeah. need money for food i mean we've got feeding i just call them feeding troughs yeah completely every we, we have more than 
any other state in America, I believe, yes. per capita. So uh, that should never happen. But that also tells me that person is not from here. So we then need that social group or whoever to go up to him. Here's the card. This is where you get money. This, this is where you get clothing. This is housing. And here's your doctor over here. And, and, and then it gets to a point where, okay, fine. If he's not accepting those, uh, uh, all of those things that we've just offered, then that's where I think then the police can get involved and say, listen, <laughs> obviously you don't, you really don't need help. Obviously you're out here loitering and, and, and begging just for money and, and we don't allow that here. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, we'll, I mean, we'll take care of you. You know, we're not putting anybody out in the cold or, no, starve you. We'll take no, exactly. So, well, I think unfortunately, cities and states play you know a dirty game of of offering one way bus tickets to out of state places. I'm sure that's got that's some, you know, it's like hey, if you're you know, I don't, I'm not going to paint Pittsburgh saying that they're doing this, but if you're if you're Pittsburgh, and it's like yeah, we're going to offer you a bus ticket to Charleston, and then it's kind of like okay, now it's your problem, West Virginia. I'm sure to a degree that's kind of is what happening is that municipalities, states, cities are you know, kind of saying, well, we don't want to deal with it. We don't have the infrastructure. Or we don't want to pay for Ship it. So on. let's, yeah. let, let's Charleston has else. the facilities. They'll feed you. They'll house you. Charleston this will take care of you that. better than we can take you care of you. It's There's just like, a network. They communicate around the United States and people know that Charleston is the place to be. Yeah. Which is unfair to the people that are actually struggling because it's like, well, you know, like I'm sure if you're, if you're just in, if you just happen to be in Pittsburgh and you're struggling. Mm -hmm have a felony charge you can't get a job and then all of a sudden you're being bused to somewhere else like your life is being almost whirlwinded by inept social programs that are trying to like just on off on okay now it's your responsibility so that's yeah. obviously a problem that has to be fixed and we don't want you know i mean to your point like we don't want to say oh we're we're not going to willing to work with anybody or help anybody but we also can't just be a, a sanctuary of of uh, everybody that has problems come to our city and and then you know then that's how you lose control of your downtown and then People right. don't come downtown. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough problem. It, it's a nuanced problem. I know you, we're not going to obviously solve it here. A couple of guys on Zoom, but you know, it's in it, it. It's all connected to yeah. I mean, you know, justice reform, drug reform, um, you know, economic report. I mean, when maybe we'll shift gears a little bit when speaking about employers and whatnot, because you it seems to be from social media we're connected on like LinkedIn and whatnot. You do you're into like you're back into the real estate now. So you've grown since the days of the gold jacket and the in the youthfulness <laughs> of uh when you worked there. Now you are back in the real estate game and I see you speaking about calling people to West Virginia, calling businesses to West Virginia, and you're speaking about the community and the the attributes of Appalachian culture. What are some of those conversations that you're having with folks that are that are new to the state? And what are, are you seeing a positive trend? Are people, you know, giving West Virginia a chance? So I think uh, I'll just point out the most recent cat litter plant. Uh, mm -hmm. Up in the panhandle. Yeah. yeah. Clorox is the Clorox and plant. Clorox, yeah. okay. And they, they pointed out which I point out all the time, our logistics. We're in the center of the universe. West Virginia is the center of the universe when it comes to uh, getting your product, raw product out of here and, and distributed across the East Coast. You know, I, I say all the time that, guys, we've gotten billions and billions of dollars worth of coal out of here to the, to the world. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm sure we can get some Amazon packages uh, to where they need to be from West Virginia. So distribution centers we don't our numbers our demographics don't support a lot of the nationals and and i tell this story of uh, uh, when 
Cabela's was thinking about coming in here uh, before they were here. The, the numbers just didn't make sense to them. So they they built the one site. They said, oh, okay, well, shoot. They built the next site. Now, now we've got three Cabela's. We've got Menards moving in, making a move into here. Yeah. People are now starting to realize this is a destination state, meaning people, if, if you build it, <laughs> I hate to use it, but if you build it, then people will come. Yeah. All right. And, you know, if you provide a great service, people will come to you. I also will use this. If you're in Atlanta or a Columbus, you'll drive on the interstate for 25, 30 minutes. You're still in Atlanta or Columbus. Well, if you drive on, if you start in Charleston, you drive 25 minutes, 30 minutes, you've gone through 10 cities. You're in Ripley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have to, that skews the the demographics basically so from charleston to huntington i think there's a six hundred fifty thousand msa uh when, when it comes to just putting all the numbers together and then we can go over into ohio right across the river and pull, pull you know even pull more and and you're still within you know 45 50 minutes of you know whatever wants to locate here so i'd try to just get people off of the demographics and talk psychographics which is you know where who and uh, just showing showing these guys that people will come to you and, and people will use you if you, you know, if you've got a great service. Um, our job pool or, or people that are willing to work, you know, we're trying to grow that. Uh, mm -hmm. People are still yet moving here. You know, uh, special uh, uh, skills type of uh, folks are still moving into the area. Newcore is a huge boost down Huntington Route Two Way. Uh, green company uh, with the buses building the beast and electronic buses and things uh, you know we've got a solar uh, facility on the move here i believe um, you know those 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 are game changers and you know toyota just expanded you know they're in the middle of another expansion um, you know ngk when they first uh, came in you know but folks like that, those are game changing. And yeah, they make it a tax break or move into an opportunity zone. Heck, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett just, you know, bought a facility right. for Tripoli, I guess. Uh, uh, but those those are things that I see and it, it, I, it makes me realize, you know, people are starting to see us. But I truly, can, you know, back to the Marine Corps and coming back, I wanted to create a destination. I wanted West Virginia to be a destination. And so I've always done whatever I thought to, to, to make us different and make us that destination piece. Uh, I, you know, I was at Nashville down on Broadway and I said, man, we could take <clears throat> my, my dream, you know, a lot of people do, you should run for mayor. I, I didn't, I don't want to run for mayor. You can do more things in the shadows. Um, so for me, I, I'd love to close that eastbound lane of uh, the boulevard from, take it from Clendenin to the Capitol put a little center tram um, that will drop people off at Moore Street. They can walk to the baseball park, drop people off at the Capitol, uh, drop people off at Court Street and walk all the way back to Farmer's Market. Open up that rail back there at the Farmer's Market to run people into Coonskin, the back way down Barlow. And you can have a bike, a bike path as well as a railroad tram um, to take people into the tennis courts, the pool, and the little, you know, the little places back there, you can have kayaking that would, uh, you could boat from the uh, entrance, now the entrance to Coonskin, up to the Clendenin Street or up to the uh, 
I call it the Civic Center, the Coliseum, whatever we call it now. Mm. But, uh, but we need to c connect and, and walkability. Um, I, I think we need to move the uh, men's shelter from the center of Leon Solomon. You know, when people first come to Charleston and you're getting off the interstate. Yeah, you pass Capital Market and the men's shelter. You, you just, and once again, I'm no better than anybody out there. However, we, I think we need to move that from the center of, you know, that, that men's shelter was put in place at a time where all of that was industrial. The baseball park was not there. The farmer's market was not developed. Um, Brooks and, you know, Bricks and Barrels was not there. Spa, uh, Kathy Rubio's uh, Spa Bliss was not there. Uh, you know, now we're talking about a hotel. DOH has just bid out. Frame has got the uh, trails, and uh, hidden trails uh, back there, Domes Motorcycle. And I think once you connect all of this, because I said, it, I said it the other day, I wouldn't let my daughter walk from the Clay Center to the farmer's market at seven, eight o'clock at night. And I don't think anybody, you just don't feel comfortable walking down through there. Uh, right. Whereas Capitol Street, yeah, I feel comfortable. Well, not just me, but I, I don't mind my daughter being downtown, or, or, you know, uh, in Charleston or over at the farmer's market uh, at seven, eight o'clock at night. Uh, because we do still yet live in a safe town. I mean, yeah, if you leave your purse in the front seat and money hanging out the zipper, then yeah, you're asking for it. But as far as innocent victims here in, literally in West Virginia, I think we still yet respect one another and, and we care for one another. You know, I'm, I'm, my neighbor called the other day needing milk. Hey, yeah, my door's open, just walk in you know, get the milk, butter, and, you know, we still, we're from that arena, you know, if I run the Kroger's, you know, my door, my door may be wide open, I'm a policeman, you know, but that's the kind of communities I think that we, some of us still live in, but we have to get back to, we've got to know, you've got to know that neighbor, I wanted to say that we've got to start meeting our neighbors, and not just the people you go to church with, not just the people that you work with and, and, and hang out with, but you know, the people live right there on your block and as a community, then you can really start to change some things. Yeah. And you, and you have the power to do so. That's what I always, sometimes I challenge people because we, we, you know, we have all these social media profiles. We have a lot of people sharing their opinion and everyone, like, I think we've just defaulted into like giving, and this is not very political, we're not a political podcast, but it's like, we want politicians to fix all of our problems where it's like, well, do this, do that, fix this. I think some of it is like, hey, guys, it's on you. If you want a good community, be a good community member. If you want a good neighbor, be a good neighbor. Like we can't empower. I think it's just um, quite honestly, I think it's a procrastination and escapism type of thing to be like, oh, well, then like this person's going to fix it for us. So it's like, no, like look at have some accountability. If you want your neighborhood to be inviting, fun, social, active, then you should be a fun, inviting, social, friendly, active person. Right. So I think. I just, I always push back on people when they're always say like, well, if I would do this, if this wouldn't happen, it's just like, it's never going to come. It's not going to like, no one person is going to sweep in and change magically West Virginia's problems. It's going to be people feeling empowered and, and even just doing a little bit of something, just starting out, like start a volunteer group in your local neighborhood that picks up trash. That sounds insignificant, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, damn, like, you know, dude, kind of, he really cares about this, this part of the state. I think I'm going to do this because I see him doing that. So it's like those small actions, people don't want to believe that they can make a massive, impactful change across the city, but it's the chain reaction of changing a culture and re maybe 
realigning ourselves to being a community that I think will will happen. I, I don't think it's a a law, a policy, an employer that will do it. You know, sweepingly, it's going to be from people themselves doing it. It all starts at home, my friend, and it's we the people. Okay, and we the people are of all colors and of all backgrounds and of both sides of the party. You know, we're, we're it's. And I think we, the people, are still the majority, and that's Democrats and Republicans and independents together on one accord. There's still yet, even this election, a lot of people said, you know, red wave, blue wave, this, that, or the other. But I saw kind of a we, the people vote uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in this this last one, because, you know, it was quite even across the board, sort of. But at the end of the day, yes, uh, we, the people in our communities, need to get involved and do for ourselves um i think our younger as i said my dad 1916 guy and you know if you didn't work you didn't eat so uh nowadays i, I think we've done a, a little bit too much for some of our youngins i'm i'm guilty of it myself and it you know i hate to use my own son but i mean they they've been handed everything and haven't came up the same way and uh, you you can't you just can't do that with with everybody and everything uh it kind of uh reveals itself later on in, in their 20s or 30s but and it's not you know, it's not their fault it's our you know once again it, it all starts at home uh, yeah and and just caring and loving my neighbor that that starts at home you know i, I see some of these video games that a lot of people talk about it, but uh grand theft you know we won't use any names on here, but anyway, there's some video games out there that are just simply that will desensitize a young mind. You know, this kid's playing this from five to 16 years. That affects you. And, you know, you've seen everything gore and, you know, bad things still affect me when I see things. And even on a video game, I'm like, man, come on now. You can't know my God. But a lot of these, a lot of our youth has been desensitized with, you know, these, uh, some of these video games and what you see on TikTok, that's their reality. We talked about it earlier. If they see it on TikTok or social media or any kind of social media, well, it must be real. That, that's that's how I'm supposed to act or talk to my parent or talk to the police or, uh, you know, because everybody's doing it. It's on social media, so it must be true. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, the people, simply have to get involved. We parents, we need to take responsibility and do what we can do and not just with our kids but others if if you live in that right because sometimes we're in a arena now if you say something to somebody else's kids they're they're ready to fight you sometimes so yeah there are no more mrs jones or mrs smith yeah. ready to <laughs> yeah, they, they, keep they, you in, they, in check it doesn't that. work like that anymore so and it's it's a it's a different youth i mean and i, I encourage young people to to be engaged in, and to be a part of it you know i mean if you're look i mean some kids right now are born in 2001 the nation had a massive terror attack by 2009 when they were in fifth grade the world economy collapsed in the great collapse in the 2010s they saw you know various changes isis 2015 it's like a lot of this generation is known very like their their whole life they've heard about maybe days of community like building and and different things but maybe their personal experience as a 21 you know if you're 21 right now you were you're born in 2001 um and you know 
I, and you've seen the increasingly divisiveness of politics on social media in your late teens. And now you're 21 years old and you're like, what the heck? Like, this is what I'm like. Everybody speaks about a time where it didn't used to be like this, but I was born in 2000. I mean, I wasn't born in 2001. I was born in 94, but like, <clears throat> but like if, you know, all I've known is this, right. So like Facebook launched in 2004, 2005. So they've kind of grown up on it. So in some ways I, I, I empathize and say, Hey, look, I mean, I understand you know, maybe the frustrations that you have against even putting us on the older side of the generation across the line. And even some folks are even older. Um, but I think if you just encourage them to be a part of the conversation, it, it will certainly make them feel like, hey, look, I can be a part of it um, and find my voice and help and build and grow just like everybody else. Yeah. Again, basic respect, man. We've got to get that back at the table. Um, you know, I'm sure that even Ted Kennedy or Reagan, they had their choice words for people back when, but those those were conversations they had not on social media. And, and I'll just simply say Biden as well as Trumpsters or Kamala. There, there are just so many things that come out of our politicians' mouths these days that are just so it's just blatant disrespect. I was like, guys, what where, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you doing here? So as, back to our we the people, I think we as we the people need to just get more involved and, and let these folks know how we're thinking or, um, uh, you know, just we need to get involved. We really need to get involved and, and quit sitting on the sideline and watching uh, watching things. And of course, you know, for me, if I say the wrong thing on LinkedIn and or Facebook, then, you know, it affects my business. So I've got to be careful. I've got to walk a fine line. Um, you know, when people say, well, Duke, why don't you just tell or say, I, I, I try to, you know, I, I still have to pay a mortgage and I've got a car payment. So, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, and, and that's not my lane right now. So what I do is just, I use my actions to speak, to speak for me. And, um, and hopefully they have spoken uh, in the past few years. So I'll, we've taken notice we've taken notice duke and i've you know i've seen a lot of your stuff online and it, it does you're appealing to you know for us to kind of rise above what what i think is you know sometimes pettiness or political divisiveness and say hey look guys like we're west virginians let's work together let's build this state um you know i think that's a mantra that all of us could you know agree to get on that that shouldn't be a controversial controversial opinion to say hey guys let's just work together and let, you know be kind to one another and enjoy yeah. the community that we have um so we've seen it and we certainly appreciate it um so i think you're doing good work man thanks bro you record did you record any of the songs that you guys played uh, forget the jackson five i want to hear the jordan five i want to hear the <laughs> i want to hear the jordan band the jordan oh, family yeah there's a there's a piece on Facebook from not too long ago was us just uh, messing around or whatnot. I, I dropped on there. But yeah, we recorded uh, an album or an album. Oh my God, I'm aging. So, but we rec we did a CD. Um, it's called Angels Watching. And then we did another one called Go Ahead. Okay. And um, so, yeah, we were, you know, no platinum or gold or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, we, we did our, we were in the studio a few times. So, that's cool. That's an that's the next episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we get you on. Yeah. So yeah, well, look, man, we didn't give didn't even get into my fitness equipment. That I, I know we didn't. I know. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll save that. We'll get it for another time. But uh, <laughs> Duke, thank you, former Marine CPD officer. Oh man, fitness instructor. 
You have a patent, author, author musician. He's, you just do too much agent. shit, Duke. It's hard to come in. Sounds like a bar yeah. line, you know? <laughs> well, we appreciate your time, man. And, and uh, thanks for some insight. And best of luck to you, man. Appreciate you guys having me.